Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. One thing uh, my uh, my dedicated listeners will know is that um, you're never bored as far as uh, the different topics that this show covers. We're talking about terrorism one minute, um, making finding your route to your best self the next, and now we're talking about a new movie that is actually being released today on DVD. It had its premiere in Cannes. Uh, this past May, and uh, it was just released theatrically this past weekend. And today, um, it is going out on DVD, and it is a very uh, unique movie. And for those of you who actually uh, heard me talk about Khan, I did do a show on Khan and its release um, when I came back. So uh, this is the movie, indeed, that your <laughs> psychiatrist host um, has a supporting role in, a pivotal role, nonetheless, as the wife of the lead character. And uh, so you may have heard me talk about this before. But today, we're going to be talking about it in earnest. And my guests are the director, Dee Stevens, and the lead actor, Pierre Dulat. And we're going to be talking to you not only about um, what the movie is about, since that, you know, will give you a general gist of that, but um, the more important issue, and that is the global slave trade, because indeed um, that is what was the genesis of this movie, as I will um, have Dee explain to you. And it really, the point of it is really to not only entertain, but really to um, make people aware of just what a problem this is in today's times. I mean, before I got involved with this project, I had no clue that global that there was a global slave trade that was so um, that, that so many people were involved in. In fact, apparently, twenty eight of a conservative estimate is that twenty eight million people are considered slaves today, and. Um, you know, people tend to think that slavery went out uh, after the Civil War, and yet, and yes, we hear about you know the um, we hear about things that we think go on in a few back rooms all over the globe, but really, there it is really shocking, as you will hear, uh, to understand just how widespread this is. And uh, so welcome to my guests, Dee Stevens and Pierre Dulan. And let me give you some of their background. Um, Pierre has been in numerous movies and television shows. He uh, uh, was a lawyer in France and uh, gave that up to come to, the, to America and um, become a, uh, a star of stage and screen and, and, uh, 
some of his his appearances include Conan and Acapulco Heat and Melrose Place, and he starred in a movie called The Donor. And Dee um, had a career. He also didn't start out as a director. Uh, he had a career as a photojournalist and a still photographer on films. Some of the films include Boys in the Hood, White Men Can't Jump, Patriot Games, What's Love Got to Do With It, Truman, uh, Love and Basketball, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and on and on. Both of them on and on. I've just given you a, uh, a sampling of some of the projects that they've been involved with. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank um, you. Dee, I'd like to start out with you because you were, in fact, the genesis of the film The Pet, um, and ask you to to tell the story because it's really quite fascinating of how you got interested in this subject and um, how the movie came about. Well, as a journalist, I'm always looking for a, a good story to do, and uh, I actually had an operation of physical, so I was incapacitated for a bit, and I bored, and so I decided to look up or to explore different stories, and one that came across was about the issue of slavery, and uh, I sort of stumbled onto it in a United Nations uh, expose about how slavery is endemic throughout the world and is increasing in numbers, and that is much more widespread today than ever in history, and I thought, this is very strange, and then discovering an article in National Geographic with a cover story in 2002, August that announced that there were 28 million slaves worldwide and basically hiding in plain sight. And these were largely described as uh, non-consensual slaves. There are slaves who fit the definition of what we imagine slavery to be, someone who's in involuntary servitude is being mistreated, whatever. And uh, further study opened up the door that we have become... Our society functions on a slave labor force, and sort of like uh, the, the, the manufacture of goods, the things we get, are all, in many ways, are, are made by a certain kind of in, uh, slavery. The, the, many of the goods we buy in you know, major stores come from areas like China that is known for harboring slaves and, and uh, you know, exploiting them. Uh-huh. So further, and developing into the movie was, okay, I started to explore it, and then the uh, 28 million slaves worldwide, then I decided, okay, how am I going to do this? And, and during this, I actually discovered there were also sort of like an alternative lifestyle where people accepted slavery. And then I discovered, too, that a lot of the terminology we use to describe things that we do are fit into that same area that I would call slavery, which is, by my definition, is someone who has no choice. And one way or another, through economic means or through physical coercion, you end up in a position where you actually have no choice, that you have to work a, a, a labor slave, somebody who works an ordinary amount of hours providing goods and services and gets very, very little return. So it just came to pass that, in, in fact, I wanted to explore what this slavery was about. And having done a, a multitude of prison stories, I covered um, you know, the institutions of California and Soledad, Folsom, and I did movies like Prison Songs, and, um, uh, and I illustrated a book for Tookie Williams called Life in Prison. I've been through prisons before, and I've seen how people work there and how they are, in fact, doing some kind of, uh, doing some kind of work that reminded me so much of what the plantation looked like in 1860. And it just went on from there. 
And um, and in fact, didn't you say that? Um, but I guess did you you probably knew before this? I think you told me that um, black slaves were called pets. That, that's that's one of the uh, absolute truisms. When when many people describe, when you go back in history and look at how how whites uh, sort of justified slavery in the deep south, they would claim that well, we treat blacks really well. We understand blacks, and uh, they refer to them as sometimes their pets, and that was. Illustrated again on a program called Blind Date. I saw a date with a, a gentleman who dressed up in a Confederate outfit to take a, a girl out and wanted to dress like the old school southern gentleman. And he actually told her, "Well, you know, in slavery wasn't so bad for blacks because you know we treated them just like our pet, their favorite pets. We'd take care of them. They wouldn't have to worry about things. They, we we gave them a you know proper clothing, proper food, proper housing, and they were quite content. And we treated them just like." Just like pets, but she got livid and basically, you know, uh, dissed him totally and put him down. But it was just inter- interesting that that mentality still occurs in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should get today that it's even brought up today. Constantly, I think constantly, one way or another. Uh, you know, and 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 the other thing is, and I worked a lot in the media, and then in the media, we've sort of like accepted certain images and think it's okay when it's a classical master-slave relationship. I.e., for example. Uh, the image of a of a pimp, many times a stereotypical black pimp, who in turn has people out in the street have working for him that they could be facing harm's way, and bringing their money back to him and supporting him. And we think it's okay because the media says, "Oh, he's cool. He drives an Escalade. Oh, he's handsome. Oh, he's funny. Or he's entertaining." And this image can, you know, continually is out there. And likewise, a movie like uh, Pretty Woman, where the lowest base person who's a streetwalker is picked up by someone like Richard Gere and given a gold card and allowed to shop on Rodeo Drive, Rodeo Drive, rather than being picked up by the Green River murderer and ending up in, in mm-hmm. you know, some tragedy. But those images foster the kind of thing where it's okay to be taken care of, it's okay to work for somebody else, it's okay to think of yourself as property. And therefore, and, and, and continually, the uh, Fact of American article really was pointing out in current day social scientists are trying to understand why current-day slavery is not just accepted by the slaveholders, or what some people would call it business, but they're accepted by the slaves themselves as a way of being taken care of and being, you know, surviving this sort of like complicated world. So they're 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 knowing that it's growing at an exponential rate, and that uh, and the uh, one one statistic that American gave, which was not in the National Geographic, was that they anticipated they were like or said that there were over. I think the figure was close to, to 20 million slaves alone coming from Pakistan to work in Saudi Arabia, to work in Bahrain, to work in, uh, in Kuwait, etc. And many times they're sold by parents who are told one way or another saying, oh, we can give your kids a better education or they can have domestic jobs in a nice country. And that is not the fact. Once, once they get over there, they find themselves in involuntary servitude. And I'm not even talking about the classical... Uh, sex slave thing, which is sort of like sort of exploitive in the sense of that's what goes on the air in some third-rate country or some hidden back alley in some place. They find one slave who's a sex slave, and boom, they, they want to do a, they want to do a focus on this. I think slavery has to be expanded and, and call it what it is. Whether it's sex slaves, whether it's, it was being a, a labor slave, whether it's being a, a you know indentured servant or whatever or domestic slave. It, it is slavery. It's not having the choice or the capability of moving on your own to make your own decisions. And I think if you add that figure on to that 28 million, the numbers are ex- extraordinary. Yes. And um, 
when you were doing the research for this movie, I mean, one of the things that I remember being blown away by was uh, what you found on the Internet. Uh, what the Internet is like, the gateway now to research and documentation, and if you use the Internet as a tool to, to do follow-up and, and fact-check and, 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 you know, go further in, it's, um, it's a phenomenal tool, and, and largely I couldn't have done this without the Internet. Uh, and you can simply go on, you can find basically where you have slave auctions right now. You can go in and find places where you can buy slaves. And many times uh, slaves... Uh, are in that position and don't call themselves slaves or they say they're consensual slaves. What, whatever the case is, the fact is that the Internet offers, offers an opportunity to, to, to foster anything that you can imagine and more so. Uh, but, again, coming back to the fact that the, the involuntary servitude type of slavery that exists today is just phenomenal. And, and, and Western society lives on it. They uh, continually they, they they need it basically, and, and the quote I use in the movie is that you know the the uh, you know slavery today is America or we live on slavery. Slave labor is what makes this the world runs right now. Yes, and the fact that that you can actually uh, just like you can <laughs> buy books on Amazon, you can actually buy slaves over the internet is just mind blowing. What's mind blowing is that people aren't doing anything to stop it, and that's really the the point for me of the movie. And uh, to wake people up to this problem so that something more can be done. It is being addressed more so. I mean, right now, even even uh, President Bush and Colin Powell have uh, pointed out that the human trafficking has become endemic and has to be stopped. The United Nations has done inexhaustible research. And... Well, okay, well, we can continue with that when we come back. We do need to take a break. Okay. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, my guest today. Actually, um, I should have introduced him. He was also not only the director of The Pet, but also the writer. And Pierre Delat, the star of the movie. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on voiceamerica.com. At least 90% of sports success requires mental strength. And the greater the competitive level, the more critical it becomes to build that mental muscle. Tune into Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Your host, Jim Meyer, sports psychology coach, consultant, and author, offers practical, powerful, and positive mental game, tools, tips, and techniques. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental game with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? 
I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! try it. Uh, 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 <laughs> see, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about the uh, shocking global slave trade and the movie that has just come out, uh, just being released on DVD. Well, it came out first in Cannes to good acclaim, great acclaim, and just released uh, this weekend in uh, actual theaters and now on DVD as well. And it is a uh, very specialized movie. It's a movie that um, I'm involved with um, as an actress, one of my other hats, um, very passionate about because of how it brings attention to the incredibly huge global slave trade that not much is being done about. We'll talk more with my guests. Um, Dee was mentioning before the break about how something is being done, but, you know, just because it's being mentioned, well, we'll get to what, what is starting to be done, but when you're talking about 20, at least 28 million slaves, you know, a lot more has to be done more quickly. My guests today are Dee Stevens, he is the director and writer of the film, and Pierre Dulas, who is the male lead. And um, before we uh, go on talking about what uh, the, to- the subject of the movie, the, the global sa- slave trade, let's whet your appetite and give you, and we will tell you at the end of the show, uh, where you can actually buy this on DVD. Um, but uh, in the meantime, let's talk a little bit about the actual story of the movie. It's not a documentary. I guess I should have made that clearer. It's not a documentary. It is an actual uh, story, and, and, but it highlights just how, how devastating and, and what a big problem the global slave trade is. So, Dee, why don't you tell us the um, storyline? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like docudrama. Basically, it's based on fact. I mean, it's a fictionalized right. account, but it's based on fact. Right. The characters are, are based on real characters, and and the other, other components include uh, stuff that was in the news or so. But uh, I just want to illustrate one thing, for instance, to give you one more depth about sure. how widespread this is. Recently, like in 2006 in June, in the Guardian newspaper, it was pointed out that the Crown Protection Services of England decided to crack down on open slave auctions at the United Kingdom International Airport. That is all of them. This is after 2-11, that they had been operating freely in two years, basically auctioning off women from from uh, third world countries right there in in the uh, on on the the English airport. And uh, yes, now yeah. how is that possible? I mean, do you mean that? What in a back room or on no, the main? No, this was open. This was uh, they. they uh, women would get off. This is a sex sex slave uh, uh, transport where they would get off 
some planes from you know from Slovakia or some of the uh, the, uh, the recently freed countries or so, and uh, they'd be auctioned off by basically uh, uh, pimps and buyers. And they'd be this is uh, you know the Guardian newspaper June fifth is very actually just you know it's, it's just those kind of things occur openly. And then it's just interesting how the Crown Protection Services did. Oh, we're going to decide to you know stop this now. Uh, Likewise, another similar thing that's in plain sight is about human organ transplants. Amnesty yeah. International for years has been saying the Chinese are using human uh, or condemned prisoners for human uh, organs, and over 8,000 prisoners a year are executed in China, and their organs are sold throughout the world many, many times in the West. And they recently uh, put on a fleet of, of 12 or 8 new buses and uh, to basically go around the countryside in the, in the various provinces and pick up condemned prisoners with a crew of four, and they can actually execute the prisoner on the bus, uh, start the process of harvesting right then and there, and ship various organs out. This uh, now this was uh, this was illustrated on, actually on recently on a story and that was in June fifteenth, two thousand and six. If you look at uh, uh, you know USA Today, they have a picture of the new Pit My Ride style. Um, uh, they call it the the, uh, the, the, the dust bus. Uh, this is 2006, and it's happening right today. And last week, the Chinese government actually, the government itself admitted, yes, we have been harvesting condemned prisoners for for human organs, and largely the, the clients are in the, are in the West. This is how big it is, and this is how plain sight it lies in. It's not hard to find, and we continue to do this. People can get any organ they need harvested from any country or from from China. And, uh, and what have you. But what was the question? Go ahead. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because that was, that is an important part of the, uh, movie as well. Um, this whole, the, the, the way that people are, uh, being sold for organ transplants. Um, you know, it is because I, I think a large part of why nothing much is being done is because because we are, there are people who are using, you know, who are benefiting economically and, and uh, health-wise and, and everything else from this slave trade. And so, but still, that doesn't make it any less despicable and, and uh, totally against the human spirit. Why don't you tell us um, the storyline? Well, now the storyline falls right from there because what I'm, basically it has to be with my personal philosophy that uh, the West largely lives on a monetary value system as opposed to a human value system. And, and the storyline takes place that where the lead character, Monsieur Dula, is, is there, is basically uh, uh, a moral business type person who decides to try an experiment uh, because he has lost, uh, for whatever reasons, uh, bizarre as may seem, he lost his, uh, his, his, his pedigree, a very uh, fancy dog. And, uh, and because he's, he's feeling down, he decides that he has money and his wife is leaving town, which is played by your, you know whom. And, uh, and he decides to tr- try an experiment brought on by people who are already in the business of making money. Now, whether they make money through the stock exchange, the mercantile fund, or whatever, they also do it on the global slave market. So in this case, uh, they decide, oh, well, to, to enjoy yourself or to do something different for an experiment, why don't you try to get a human pet? Why don't you try a human pet? And Pierre actually decides to go ahead and just for the experiment to see, hmm, okay, I might try that. And he falls in uh, with uh, the, the, the other lead person, uh, Andrea, who basically has basically fallen to the cracks of the individual. She's like a good person, but financial she, uh, financial crisis. She's had a bad boyfriend. She's on the verge of being homeless. 
she's uh, despondent. It's life is falling through the cracks for her, and uh, and Pierre comes out of the blue like a knight in shining armor and sweeps her off her feet and invites her to you know to to his his place for because uh, she her tragedy was that she lost lost her cat and she had uh, paid with all of her. Um, rent money to have the cat uh, in surgery and lost that and the doctor won't release the cat and her boyfriend stole money and a number of things that happened. Anyway, and the fact together. that she, uh, what's really important is the fact that she as a child went from one foster home to another, lost her father, uh, abandoned by her father and, and really had a very difficult life as a child which made her long for someone to take care of her. Right. And she was like in Thinking about being homeless as as a child, she was you know living out of a car for a bit with her with parents, and she was picked up by um, by uh, uh, child protective service services, and ended up from foster home to foster home, and was never really abused. It wasn't that type of damage, but she ends up being never feeling ever she had a home, and never feeling able to trust people, a person rather. And uh, Philip comes along, and it's literally a knight in shining armor to her. I mean, her, her eyes glow. Her, she smiles on her face, and she's very, very warm around him, and she feels, my God, you know, this can this be heaven? And, he, he, you know, he seduces her, but first he tests out and finds out how... Not sexually. She, no, never. And and this thing, he wants to find out how submissive she is, because in this experiment were to take place, he has to find somebody who's naturally submissive or so. And, and this movie is about power exchange at the end of the day. It's about power control and power dynamics, and people are tops and bottoms and various things. And and so in this scenario, Philip Troy Tester at, at a restaurant, and, and she follows lockstep's and various you know actions that she does that, that indicate that she is indeed submissive. So following along, he offers her uh, money. He, first of all, he gives her money for no for no apparent reason other than you're in trouble. Let me just help you out. And he gives her a, more money than she's ever seen in her life at one time. And uh, at, at his residence is just. A beautiful twenty million dollar estate in uh, Mendocino, and she just, uh, just can't believe it. She's never been living in or seen this kind of place, and so she becomes enamored. And Philip is uh, starts asking very pointed questions about, you know, why do you want to stay? Cause she actually she likes it there, and she and there are books on the library like Anne Rice's uh, story of Sleeping Beauty. There are books of Island Dr. Moreau, which talks about a change of man to an animal. And various things she sees and the artwork, everything about it sort of like overwhelms her. And and he asked her, have you ever thought about um, a lifestyle change? And she said, what does that mean? And she's very confused. And she's not the brightest person. I mean, she's very, very naive in many, many ways. And But he offers her some more money, but it's not really the money. It's just like she likes being with him. And then it goes, goes from there. It turns out that eventually... Pierre becomes enamored with her, very, very much so over a period of time. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. And uh, he basically says uh, he wants to take care of her. He wants to be a protector. And at first, the experiment turns into more of an experiment for him growing as a human being from this uh, lazy, fair capitalist into a very uh, meaningful person who cares for her deeply uh, in, a, in a humanistic sort of way. And... Uh, and then he becomes very proud. You can see his, his sort of glows. Oh, my God, I have this beautiful, you know, pet. And that's, really, that's where the pet comes from. And, it, and this takes on the, uh, in the, in the, what you could call the alternative lifestyle. There are, there are 25 million people who practice some form of alternative lifestyle in, in the U.S. Kinsey says 10% of us. Uh, so there's a very, very different kind of alternative lifestyle. And this was one. So this couple forms agreement 
of accepting this alternative lifestyle. And the interesting thing about it is honest. He says, this is the deal, and she says, do you accept? And she says, yes. And I'll try it for one day or two days. And she becomes to like being taken care of, and he becomes like being a caregiver. And it goes further, and it goes further without going into more of it. I think uh, I'd love to hear Pierre talk about because he's much more, that was the character. Okay, and when we come back, we will hear Pierre talk about it. One thing I want um, to, to mention, you know, you, you, there's a line in the movie um, where it, it says, uh, the, there's, I'm probably going to, para, I'm paraphrasing, but that the, uh, there's no such, unconditional love is what there is between a mother and a child and a pet and a pet owner. And, well, you know, the line is basically there's only two types of unconditional love in the yes. world, and that one is between a mother and a child, and the other is between a master and his pet. Yes. And that is the sort of the theme that runs through the movie. And and originally, the, the main line of the Dark movie was with the Gahan Wilson uh, quote, which said about, uh, I'm paraphrasing, about we must break the shell, which houses an understanding, and we must feel pain to understand really who we are. And this, this sort of creates throughout the film because there is pain. There is a very disturbing movie to some, and it's meant to be, and it's, it's, it's made to make you think about what we go to. But again, the important thing was the honesty between these two individuals and how they treated each other and how they got to form this bond, which in the sea of like manipulations, of, of power exchange, and about you know monetary value systems, this, this, this blossomed into something that was really real and very special. Yes. And when we come back, we'll hear from the lead actor who played uh, Philip Pierre Dulois. And my guest also is Dee Stevens. And so we do need to take a break now, but I'm sure we have you hooked. So stay tuned and listen for more of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. At least 90% of sports success requires mental strength. 
and the greater the competitive level, the more critical it becomes to build that mental muscle. Tune into Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Your host, Jim Meyer, sports psychology coach, consultant, and author, offers practical, powerful, and positive mental game, tools, tips, and techniques. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental game for Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about uh, the new movie, The Pet. And we're taking you behind the scenes of modern slavery and the uh, different ways that people are today, over 28 million of them, uh, slaves, whether it's um, slaves for work, slaves for sex, slaves for organ transplants, um, and on and on. And um, this movie is, is based on truth, and um, it, it is a story, um, but based upon facts, based upon shocking facts. And um, the it will... <laughs> You know, when people, this week, past weekend, when we had the first theatrical screening, um, people, ask, and this happened at Con too, when the, when the lights come on, people are, are somewhat in a state of shock. It's a very disturbing movie, but it's a very important movie in terms of what it brings out. And so um, my guests today are Dee Stevens, the writer and director of the film, and Pierre Dulat, the lead actor in the film. And Pierre, I'd like you now to talk about uh, how you approach this movie, what feelings it brought up for you, how you prepared for your role, um, how you brought the passion that you did uh, to the role. How are you, Dr. Lieberman? I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> so I would like just to say that uh, as the audience uh, have heard so far, uh, Dr. Uh, D. Steven, the director, is really high, highly educated. And that was um, giving me the... the the, the opportunity to thank Dee particularly, and uh, also that gave the idea of the atmosphere I was working. And that's really, I was so happy to be part of this adventure and this uh, movie, and I'm very, very proud of this movie. So that's what I wanted to tell uh-huh. you first. Uh, and you also, Dr. Lieberman, you did also uh, help us uh, tremendously. So just a very, very thank you for both of you. And uh, so that's why... Uh, like I say, I'm very proud of this movie, and uh, for me, um, it's a love story. That's why I, I see it, and uh, it's a relationship between the two human beings, no matter what. Uh, and uh, we, you mentioned earlier, uh, there was um, uh, unconditional love, and definitely that's why the Philip is uh, looking for to have unconditional love, and uh, he used to have uh, with his uh, dog. And unfortunately, his dog died, so he was looking for, you know, something similar. And uh, that's why uh, this opportunity came up, and he took it. So um, that's why, for me, yeah, it's a beautiful love story. 
and uh, like you know with up and down and uh, but that's why you know I, I really first uh, that intrigued me but in the meantime after that as as every day uh, you know every day of the shooting where, where I was more into it and really uh, I was really into the character and really I enjoyed to to play the role and it was really like I said for sure with D who is like not only highly educated but also very uh, very sweet and very attentive to all the demand from an from an actor so uh it was really a joy to work with D and that's that's basically um the wonderful memories I will have from this uh, shooting uh, and uh, so that's why I mean. Now, you've been in lots of different movies and yes. television shows, and yes. I mentioned some of them, like uh, you were the star of the movie The Donor, and you've yes. been on Melrose Place, and we Conan, didn't. and Acapulco Heat, yes. and so on. Um, never have you, uh, I presume, played the part of a man who has a human pet, um, and has, as a human pet, um, mm. this woman was naked throughout the film on a leash. Um, not throughout, I mean, not at the beginning, but once she became the human pet, she was naked and she was on a leash. It was not sexual, but um, but it is unusual to be putting a human being in a cage and um, walking her and, and uh, feeding her like you would feed a pet. How did you... Um, you know, how did you prepare yourself for that? Or what did you, before you actually started saying your lines for a particular scene, what did you, um, or before you started the film, how did you um, get yourself psychologically prepared for that? At first, uh, like I told you, the atmosphere uh, I worked in, uh, D really helped me so much to be in the character. So I didn't have to really to force myself just to, you know, to say, oh, I have... Uh, for me, it was just obvious. Uh, pets don't wear clothes. So, you know, it was not, uh, it was really obvious. I mean, I didn't have, I, I, I was, you know, I didn't think about uh, Pierre Dulat or whatever. I was Philip, and I say, yeah, pets don't wear clothes. And that was, you know, this is it. And a cage is a natural home of a, of a pet, too. So it didn't really, uh, I didn't have to, to work so much during the, the, the shooting. But Did the preparation you? Uh, with yeah. D, we, we, you know, we prepare for weeks and weeks, you know, of research. I mean, that's, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's why uh, I have to say again, uh, thank you, D, for helping me so much. Uh, tremendous, tremendous help. Uh, that's why. Uh, and did you have when I, I, when you were, was there a pet um, that you had growing up, or a pet, you know, in current times that you thought of when you were trying to, um, when you were. Reacting or um, towards towards the, the human pet. I mean, what, you know, was there a, a, a pet in your life in real life at some point in your life that you did feel a bond with, for example? Yes, in a certain way, I remember the the, the dog of my grandmother actually, um, but also um, I love. I mean, it's you know, it's. Um, Human pet or a pet, I mean, there's not much of a big difference. It's just the care, the love of, of a creature of, of God if, of, or a creature of nature, if, if I may uh, say so. Uh, and that's the most important. And you, love is about the special energy that you have inside of you and you give. And that's why I saw, uh, you know, more than really some details, 
that people will see or will really concentrate on. For me, it was the love. And that's why I say it's a love story. Mm-hmm. I give my love to, to uh, you know, uh, this creature who, you know, he's human, but it doesn't matter for pet or no pet. It's to give the love. And that's why, you know, um, for me, that's why the, all the, the care, the, the, the tenderness, you know, and the, all these things also makes me more um, uh, intrigued and also happy to, to have worked on this character. Yes, and also there were these, I mean, there were so many different psychological issues. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I, I remember when we were preparing, we t- uh, talked about the abandonment issue. Here I go off at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. uh, to Africa, and your your pet, your real pet, your dog, your prized dog had just died, so you had felt abandoned by the dog. You had been mm-hmm. abandoned, you know, um, by the dog through no fault of his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was abandoning you to go to Africa and do my research. And um, and there you were um, feeling a lack of love in your life. And that made you more, um, more vulnerable to wanting to find the love and also yes. to uh, feeling as though you could have more control over it. Yes, yes. That's true. That's true. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's the... Uh, like I said, but in the meantime, love for me is to give. You know, it's the the thing that to give instead of receiving. You give love. You give tenderness. You give uh, uh, caresses, and that's why uh, when I caress, uh, you know, my pet, it's really with with love, with tenderness, and 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 the joy. You know, and and that's why um, after that, you know, it goes back like a boomerang because the pet. Re- React to that too, and gives you love back. So, and that's why you know you. It's a pure uh, relationship, an, an amazing relationship, and that's why I know in these big towns, you know, Los Angeles, Paris, and New York, Hong Kong, or whatever, a lot of people are lonely, you know, and uh, maybe that's why they need sometimes a pet to, you know, to to to, like you say, to you know, to cover up the the pain or whatever, to be lonely, and that's why. Uh, this movie is wonderful because he puts a point on this kind of a relationship and, and, and you know and this love love before everything that's why I'm saying and, and that's why um, like I said it's really mar- remarkable script also it was really you know the, all the, the words really meant something and, and that's why you know I, I was really really happy to be part of it and, and, and Dr. Lieberman you did very good very good job as an actress <laughs> Thank you. Would you like to repeat that before? That? <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, nothing like paying your guests to say. <laughs> that would get the oh. check. <laughs> well, when we come back, we'll uh, talk more about the movie The Pet. We'll also tell you where you can buy your very own copy on DVD. My guests today are Dee Stevens, the writer and director of this movie, and Pierre Dulat, the lead actor. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson. 
Echopreneur, author, and green living maven brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily. From hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products. Get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the green life with Kim Carlson. Broadcast each Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Live in the green life for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Hosting Commander in Change, Empowerment Coach, and International Speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where women and wine angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women in Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, as well as Ellen in the new movie, The Pit, (laughs) which is what we're talking about today. And we have another actor calling in, um, Stephen Robert Wollenberg, who played Charles. Stephen, I'm so glad that you can join us. How are you, Doc? I'm good. It was great seeing you at the screening this it weekend. Was, it was great seeing you. You don't often run into a woman who traps and fashions her own dress. <laughs> I mean, you, you had to see this. I mean, it was brilliant. It was leopard skin. <laughs> now, we'll have the PETA people. Uh, it, was, it was only fake. <laughs> oh, I was getting to that. Uh, on the other hand, this is Hollywood. <laughs> yes, right. Everything's fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, right. That's not exactly Illusory. what I meant. But anyway, tell us about, yeah, undoubtedly you've been hearing the rest of the show, yes. and you played um, a very Wilson. strong, evil character in this movie, very powerfully. 
Thank you, Dorothy. Well, the part of the priest was already taken, so I had it. This is, this is really good. There was no priest. <laughs> priest would be horrified, isn't that right? I think um, I'll have enough problems now. <laughs> that's right. Um, why don't you tell us about what, how you, um, how you saw the movie? I mean, what you, what your, uh, because really it was a movie. It's kind of like a movie, like where you have an elephant in the middle of the room and people are touching different parts of the elephant, the viewers, and coming away with different impressions and, and feelings about it. What, um, how did you feel about it and how did you prepare for your character? Well, it's interesting that you picked the analogy of an elephant because this is the elephant in the living room. This is what nobody wants to discuss yes. when they go strolling in a Walmart to buy a TV set or a, uh, a PlayStation or clothing or anything else that's been manufactured through outsourcing. These are the people who are being abused psychologically, physically, sexually, grossly underpaid so that you can save 50 bucks on a tube. And that, that interested me, and that was the first thing that occurred to me when I, uh, when I read the script. Um, and I think the next time anybody goes sauntering into a Walmart or a, a like place, keep this in mind. Think about what you're contributing to. Um, my, my preparation for the role... Uh, and could you describe uh, your character a little bit? Well, Charles is a, um, a retired Marine colonel of considerable experience. And um, you would think a man like Wilson would have wound up with a general star, but somewhere along the line he found something a bit more interesting and certainly more lucrative. Um, and being a Marine, there's a certain discipline involved in getting the job done, and I don't, I don't want that to make me sound like George Bush right now. <laughs> but there is a truth to the, there is a truth to that, uh, as far as the military goes, and to do it without emotion. And as the film unfolds, that becomes a problem uh, between um, uh, the partners. Uh, the the third partner, the money man, Michael, and Philip, and myself, and Philip's emotion for his pet, who really needs to be jobbed out, as it were, becomes a problem, becomes a threat to the business. And I have a military background, and I understand. I understand what it means to to seize the objective, go get what you're going after. And Philip is in the way at, at, at one point. So it was, it was, uh, um, working towards that denouement, that which of course I will not reveal. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, that was, uh, the preparation, um, that was the basic preparation for the role. Wilson is not a good guy. He doesn't, he doesn't claim to be a good guy. He doesn't pretend to be a, a good guy. He is what he is, and this is what we're doing, and everybody has to be in lockstep. Yes, well, that's um, well. I didn't know that you had had a military background in real life. That that certainly does um, contribute to uh, to how realistically you played it. Well, you know, I mean, you bring your life to your work, right? And uh, to uh, 
to agree with Pierre, D is great in that he gives you an enormous amount of creative freedom. And he'll tweak you here, and he'll tweak you there. And you think to yourself, this is great. I mean, I'm just being, a, I'm, I'm just sailing here. It's all me. And then you realize that you've gone to exactly the place he wanted you to go to to begin with. Hmm. Steve actually got the part in our casting. Uh, he came up to me and grabbed me by my shirt tails and like said, I'm your man, and very forcibly. No, it was actually by your throat. And, uh, <laughs> But yes, you were saying that the other day that actually that that proved to you that uh, that he was your man. The, well, yeah, it also becomes necessary. It also became necessary on payday occasionally. To <laughs> what payday? No, no, not really. This was <laughs> this, this was a very very happy set. Uh, this was a very very cohesive set. Yes, you know, I was going to say that that probably um, all my listeners can hear that uh, we really worked well as an ensemble. It was yes. definitely an ensemble yes. piece, uh, yes. particularly, I guess, maybe Dean. Um, and I, I do want to mention also that the, this movie, The Pet, is what catapulted <laughs> Dee to um, now have, what would you call it, a, to be, um, to be um, sought after for a new movie, uh, The Life Story of Marvin Gaye. Right. And... Uh, you know, it's no surprise. And actually, this movie was made on a shoestring, as most independent movies are. But I think, <laughs> I think this was maybe half a shoestring. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Do, do, that that actually did contribute to everyone working closer together as an ensemble because we were each uh, not only responsible for bringing our talents, but also for whatever resources we could uh, to the movie and, and to get the message across. This is very touchy stuff, but it is as true as your next breath. And that was the challenge, to make people understand that this is happening. This is not a fantasy. Yes. And one of the most compelling parts of the film is the, 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 the final credit roll, where yes. country yes. after country goes by, identified by their role in this worldwide process, and the United States and, and the, uh, the, the UK, which uh, is maybe the last actual bastion of civilization, are as involved as anybody else. And yes. one statistic we, we should definitely add is that today it's estimated that it costs about 1,500 times cheaper to have the same labor force yeah. out of a migrant farm worker than it does for a black field hand of 1860. Yeah. 1,500 times cheaper. That is then equivalent to about three or four, eight. Three thousand to five thousand dollars today, you can have that same labor force by under seventy dollars, and that is because migrant farm workers aren't covered by any infrastructure, any protection, and those statistics are frightening. That's right. That's right. And those uh, those very expensive uh, basketball shoes that uh, people pay upwards of three hundred dollars for mm-hmm. are made as often as not by exploited workers and certainly exploited women who are routinely sexually harassed by their supervisors mm-hmm. so that you can, you, can, you can look good on the, on the courts of Venice in California when you're playing ball. There are contracts that for certain manufacturers of shoes that leaving the company in Taiwan or so would be equivalent to death, tantamount to death if you leave that company because you're not there legally. If you left the company, you would have no right, right to be there, and the penalty for being in that country illegally is death. And they ask people who sign these contracts that if you leave, where do you want your body sent to? 
That's right. This is all available. This is a frightening time to be in, and to ignore it is, is insane. And I make a parallel too that you know, the, well, the consensual slavery happens because people allow themselves to be into situations that they don't have control of. Sometimes I'm sorry, it is vice versa, but it's like, uh, uh, but it's a very important subject to deal with right now. Yes, and why don't you tell people where they can get a copy of the film? Well, there's several ways you can get one from going straight to the website at thepetmovie.com. Let me see. Thepetmovie.com. Thepetmovie.com. Yeah. Or Amazon.com or at TLA, releasing.com. That's T as in Tom, L as in love, and A as in Apple. Right. Releasing. Releasing.com. And then TLA released it to the major outlets, 5,000 outlets today. Today was their launch day. As of today, it's supposed to be released over into 5,000 different uh, places you can purchase it directly or so. Well, I'd like to, you hear the music, we do need to, um, to draw this to a close, but I'd like to thank all of you for joining me today. Thank Dee Stevens, you. the writer-director of The Pet, um, Pierre Dulas, lead thank character you. Philip, and Stephen Robert Wollenberg, the... Uh, <laughs> the um, should we say the evil character, the most evil character? Charles, Charles, Charles. the heavy, the heavy. Charles. You could say, say. <laughs> it was Charles, but anyway, it was a pleasure, pleasure. Uh, wait, what did I say? Stephen Robert Wollenberg is Charles. As yes. Charles, yes, yeah, yeah. right, the um, colonel. Yes, and uh, I'd like to. I, I do want to say that nobody under eighteen <laughs> should see this movie. But, but the, it, the seven dwarfs are not going to show up. Well, this is no, not I, I just but it no, is true. I have responsibilities as a psychiatrist to make this point. But um, but um, it is not uh, what is more overpowering and important. There really isn't just it isn't really sexual per se. No, but it is. Um, it is movie. really is beautiful. It's, oh, it's incredibly shot, incredibly beautifully. But um, it really the main point of it, the main importance of it, is drawing your attention to this incredible, incredible problem that um, it's shocking to believe goes on in 2006. So uh, I hope you know that I always urge you to um, do something about the problems in the world, and I hope that this urges you to do something about real slavery, the real global slave trade market that is not a fantasy, it is an actuality. And again, the uh, websites are thepetmovie.com and tlareleasing.com. And of course, you can look up uh, IMDB as well. So and, thank I, and you. Amazon. And Amazon. I forgot Amazon. And, and uh, uh, what? I'm just going to say, really, we had an incredible crew, an incredible cast. Yes. yes. Oh, and Jean, I do have to mention Jeannie Neal Silberkraut, the uh, producer of the film, yes. um, as well as uh, Andrea, Andrea Edmondson, who played the pet. Not an easy uh, role at all. Yes. Strath yes. Hamilton and Marcy Hamilton, who yes. um, own Tri-Coast, that, the company that ultimately released the movie. So it was illusion to play the other other pet. Yes, it was really a uh, uh, a labor of love, a labor of passion yes, yes. to awaken the world to yes. what is going on. We are very proud of this movie, and, and definitely we're happy to share this movie to the world. Yes, and, and publicly, I would like to thank Dee Stevens and you, Dr. Lieberman. Thank you. You're, you're all very welcome, and thank you again for joining thank you. me. Thank you, Steve. thank you, Carol.
Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Dee. Thank you, Dee. Thank you. And this is Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host. Thank you, Pierre Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 